You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. ABC Tonight. Special Agent Will Trent. Judge Bureau Investigation. I told him I'd bring my best. Will sees things that no one else does. Based on the New York Times bestselling series. But why Will Trent? He's good police and he's objectively hot. See crime. Put out an Amber Alert. There's a kidnapping. Through his eyes. He read that crime scene like it was a book. Ramon Rodriguez is. I'm a pretty observant guy. Will Trent. Series premiere tonight, tonight central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey there, and welcome to Fan Theory Queries, where we analyze fan theories from all over the internet, but mostly Reddit. I'm Laura. I'm Michael. And I'm Spencer. All right, so we are continuing on our train we've been on lately of connecting a character from one movie to a character from another movie. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's like its own subgenre of fan theories, wouldn't mm-hmm. you yeah. say? What would we call oh, yeah. that? Hmm. Putting you on the spot here. Multi-universal actors. Attack of the clone. (laughs) (laughs) They're not attacking anybody, but... Well, it depends on the movie. (laughs) True, true. (laughs) This one is going to be about the dreamiest one, George Clooney. Namely... He is pretty dreamy. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Especially that that nippled bat suit. (laughs) Did we have to go there? I did. So this one is about Ulysses Everett McGill is Danny Ocean's grandfather. This comes from Zelf Onendagus. Zelf I love Onendagus. Oh, brother, where art thou? It's one of my top five favorite movies. So <laughs> I, I have to be honest. I have seen it. I really enjoyed it whenever I saw it. But it's mm-hmm. been probably about 10 years since I have seen it. So I don't remember everything that goes on. So I will try to contribute as much as I can with that part of it. Okay, well, I mean, this author kept it pretty Mm -hmm. simple and sweet, so I think you'll be okay with this. I I will admit it's been a long time since I've seen it too, but the way that Oh Brother Where Art Thou has has stayed forefront in my mind is because of Spencer. Why is that, Spencer? (laughs) I'll, I'll tell you later. Oh, okay. It's relevant well, to the... thanks for ruining my setup. <laughs> no, you, it's not a ruin. It's a, it's a tease. Okay. Don't go right. anywhere. I teased you. Okay, so let's just I'm... jump into this theory. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Everett and Danny share some characteristics. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> They're both thieves with marital problems that mm-hmm. upon escaping from slash leaving prison lead a group of men to a large sum of money under false pretenses. Hmm. <laughs> their goal is ultimately to reunite with their respective ex-wives. <laughs> and they use the promise of wealth as a means to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that Everett's looks passed on to Danny. As for the last name discrepancy, Everett only had daughters. One of them married a Mr. Ocean, and together they had Danny. And maybe Grandpa Everett imparted some of his smooth-talking criminal ways to his more successful grandson. (laughs) Wow. That one's one's pretty cut and dry. It's solid, man. The evidence they provided. (laughs) If anything, it just tells me that maybe George Clooney has a... He's a little typecast as far as his characters. <laughs> so is Batman also a descendant of Ulysses Everett McGill? No, because Danny and Bruce Wayne would be contemporaries. That's true. Yeah. Twin That's brothers. True. <laughs> That's how he gets the planning. The brilliant mind cousins. of planning yes. heists. <laughs> like Bruce Wayne could do something like that. Anyway. It's really short. But I think it's a really fun little theory. We've done, like I said, we've already done a lot of these of an actor playing multi-generations mm-hmm. of a family, it seems mm-hmm. like, or we, or we like to theorize that. But I actually like this one a lot because of those different familial character traits that some people act like people in their family. There are mm-hmm. pieces of me that are a lot like my paternal grandmother. Mm-hmm. And then there are pieces of me that are a lot like my father. 
And then my mom says there are little bits of me that are like her father. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I never met that man. He passed away before I was even born. There are, There is, I think, a little bit of credence to that idea of inheriting character traits from your family. Um, yes. But and I, I stole I'll... Michael's word of credence. I just noticed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, credence, yes. It's fine. I'm, I'm uh, sure I'll be able to work it in at least once You're going to wear <laughs> off on us. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to, within the second sentence of this theory, already throw it off the cliff. Maybe with a lifeline, though. They say they are both thieves. Everett was not a thief. He was a practicing, he was practicing law without a license. And that's how he got in prison. Why would you do that? Why would you practice law without a license, Spencer? To get a job, to have a job. To... And what do you get from a job? Um, a good reputation <laughs> and um, clout and a resume, especially if you want to make partner. That's what you need to do. But you're doing it under false pretenses. Mm -hmm. You don't have a law license. Mm -hmm. And lawyers, would you say those are a higher paid? That's a higher paid job than mm -hmm. most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you don't think maybe he was a bit of a thief for no. lying? Because he earned his money. He broke the law to do it, which is what you do when you steal. <laughs> I'll think about I mean, your Butch your point, Cassidy but... and the Sundance Kid did a whole lot of work and a lot of planning to get their money. So they earned it. But did they do it lawfully? No, they're thieves. <laughs> Same for Everett. <laughs> I'm going to think of a counter to your example, but I can't <laughs> right now. Okay. <laughs> what do you think, Michael? I, um, I'm i going to have to go with you on this one. I really like this one. I think that it makes, I mean, like you said, it makes sense. The different characteristics, those are very specific characteristics. They are. That connect together. And so mm -hmm. if, they were, if this guy was really just trying to pull, like grasp at straws here, then I would probably be a little more combative with it. But... I mean, there, this one doesn't really need too much evidence, in my opinion, at least. Like it, it's like I said before, it, it's pretty cut and dry with with what's presented. It may not be likely, but I, it's I, I like it. Like you're, it's a you're fun considering theory, it. You know? You're not just yeah, automatically yeah. dismissing. I I haven't decided where I'm going to land on the rating yet, but mm -hmm. uh, I I can see both sides. Like I can see it being as something just absolutely preposterous, but I can also see it as, as something genius. You know, because it's just a fun theory. Think about. Family stories get told and that influences some of the decisions we make, you know, or mm -hmm. or it influences what I don't know, I guess. Yeah. What decisions we make. So, I mean, if if Danny grew up hearing stories about what his granddad mm -hmm. Everett had done, I mean, that would, of course, give him ideas of, oh, I could be like granddad Everett or something. And why is it kind of cute? Why didn't he sing so into a can yet? <laughs> so just picture picture this scene in your minds I'm listeners too mm -hmm. so you have everett as the grandfather little little danny ocean running around chasing chasing the dog around or whatever and he runs into everett's study where he's just sitting there smoking a pipe or doing something grandfatherly um with his hair all combed with his yes dapper yes. dan yes probably reading a book or something and then he says to danny Hey, why don't you sit down? And so Danny sits down on his lap, gets all comfortable. Have I ever told you the story about dot, dot, dot? And he goes on to tell all of his exploits in extreme detail that he probably shouldn't be telling his young grandson. Because <laughs> that's Danny what grandpas is just so do. enthralled. Exactly. And he's, he's <laughs> one of those squirrely grandpas that loves to get away with stuff that he's probably not supposed oh, to do. Yeah. Also oh, giving yeah. more evidence to what he did before you know and it's probably one of those things where danny's mom walks in and hears the story and is like what are you telling my son and basically gets on to the grandfather for for telling this story but then it becomes a thing between danny and everett for the rest of everett's life Aww. while danny's growing up every time they go visit the grandfather danny sneaks off and, and they find a way to sneak off alone and everett tells him a little bit more of the story and that Aww. creates Danny's love for thievery. And then Danny that. says, hey, 
That story sounds a lot like the Odyssey by Homer. <laughs> because it was loosely based off of that. And then Danny's mother says, Dad, Everett, I thought you was hit by a train. So I didn't even ever to expect to have. Well, no, that doesn't make sense. But she <laughs> See, talks okay, about so being hit by a train. This is leading into why... Why... Over the road, that was still a prevalent and relevant thing in our mm-hmm. household. Is all because of Spencer keeping it alive because he quotes it regularly. <laughs> I I yep. laughed. I had to laugh out loud. Not right just a minute ago, but when I read this earlier, where he says, "I believe that Everett's looks passed on to Danny because he's the paterfamilias." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh gosh! I'm telling you, he can. Yeah. It's amazing oh. to me that like there are people, there are movies that everybody can quote some specific things from. Mm-hmm. Spencer, however, goes off into left field and you think he might, he might pick a line that everybody else would quote. Like, let's say Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, my, I need, really need some chipstick. My lips hurt real bad. Gosh, no, that's it. not what Spencer, exact what you're going to say. I'm, go ahead and say it, Michael. Quote your line. I was just going to say, gosh, Tina. Eat the meatloaf. Yeah. Okay, and so then Spencer will quote something totally out of left field from that movie, like, "Can't find my checkbook. Hope you don't mind a pay and change. Six dollars. That's like a dollar an hour." <laughs> Those are the things. That's what he finds memorable. Um, All of O Brother Where Art Thou is memorable to Spencer. And remember, <laughs> folks, yes. Jesus saves, but George Nelson withdraws. <laughs> Uh, on that note, how about we look at some comments? Yes, okay. let's dive into this. So, fittingly, we have... Oh, wait, hang on a second. The Odyssey. Was that Homer yes. that wrote that? Okay, mm-hmm. well, we have a quote or a comment here from Homer. Would you have thought of this theory if both characters weren't played by the same actor? And Sierra Jeff replied to that comment as this. Might as well say that Everett is the grandpa to Jason Bourne, but for being played by the same actor. So that sounds like it's Spencer's point that he's trying to get across. Um, it sounds to me like like Homer just got jealous of the connection <laughs> that was made, and so he was trying to disprove it, and then Spencer has his own username, and he's the second comment <laughs> that not backed me. up the theory. I'm much more creative <laughs> than Sierra Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to know what my username is? It you might is, as well share it with the I world. Will. It is infamous underscore ad underscore five seven five zero. Okay. Nice. The reason well, is uh, when I signed up, they automatically assigned me one and I didn't know to change it. And it's too late to change it. But I don't want to start uh, a new account. So that's well, me. I've started a fan theory queries account, so we can start commenting on stuff as fan theory queries. Okay. Yes. Anyway, so then the next comment is pretty long here. We've got visit Jared. While I don't necessarily agree Everett was a criminal, he was a lawyer who got into hot water, I can see this working. Everett could have passed on his gift of gab and wits to Danny, along with the other traits you mentioned. Also, Everett's chain gang escape is maybe when the family line began working with the lower criminal element in order to achieve their goals by the time Danny comes around and the Ocean family is entrenched in the thieving industry. That would explain why Danny talks to other criminals like their family members and knows intimate details about their personal lives. You could expand this further and suggest that Rusty Ryan, Brad Pitt, is the descendant of George Nelson. While there's not much to go on other than the criminal element and the fact that he's either up or down, i.e. enjoying the thrill of a heist or passed out on the bar counter, there's the fact that George Nelson is meant to represent Achilles in the Odyssey and Brad Pitt played Achilles in the film Troy. (laughs) Also, there's the general baby-facedness of Rusty and the fact George Nelson had both a son and a daughter in real life, and was referred to as... That's a baby-faced Nelson. Who said that? Who said that? What ignorant, <laughs> low-down, slanderizing SOB said that? I'm George Nelson. Not <laughs> baby-faced. <laughs> that, Who said that? That, that has been said so many times in our house. Who said that? <laughs> oh, that's brilliant i'm telling you so i went to i have to real quick 
we yeah. have to watch this movie again because it has been years and mm-hmm. especially yes, not that I'm an yeah. adult. I was reading through some of these quotes because I wanted to make sure I got the most important <laughs> You're ones. You're not an adult. And like <laughs> this script is hilarious. Like just the wording and these lines. I'm like, this yeah. is genius writing and it just the dialogue is so funny. And I was just laughing. Is, oh, gosh. Is the that Coen, Coen Brothers. Brothers? Yes. That's what I thought. Yes. Coen Brothers. Yeah, we, I agree. We need to have a Fan Theory Queries movie night Let's and do it. watch this movie because it's it really has been years. And I'm sure that there are some things that I would appreciate much more now as an adult than mm-hmm. I did whenever I was younger and I watched it. So. Oh, and the cast. The cast is yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. On that note, I did, while I was searching for quotes... I mm-hmm. pulled out a line that Laura and I are going to perform, or a scene that oh, Laura okay. and I are going to perform. We have to do a scene real quick. Okay, okay. go for it. <laughs> All right, so let me get into character Laura's here. going to play the role of Pete, and I'll be playing Ulysses Everett McGill with a good hair. Now, air. was Pete one of his trio Pete, of- Pete was, uh, why am I blanking? Bad guy in The Batman. Okay, so yeah, he was one of his trio. Yeah. Why can't I? Falcone, or Falcone in the back, man. John uh, Turturro. Yes, John Turturro. Thank you. Okay. You miserable little snake. You stole my kin. Who was fixing to betray us? You didn't know that at the time. So I borrowed it until I did know. That don't make no sense. Pete, it's a fool that looks for logic in the chambers of the human heart. <laughs> Okay, cool. And scene, <laughs> great. I think it's time for us to rate this theory. That's Michael, why don't, you, why don't you... Exp- <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm say this again. Okay. You better watch out the rest of this episode. <laughs> oh, Lord. You're going to keep saying that, aren't you? No, I'm not. <laughs> it's the baby face nails. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. we got to do this. All right, great. I think it's time for us to rate this theory. Michael, why don't you explain our rating scale real quick? The highest rating that we have is genius. This is reserved only for the best theories, which we believe are better than the actual canon. The next step down is plausible. It's a good theory. You know, it's believable. The next is unlikely. Not a terrible theory, but like the name says, pretty unlikely. And then last thing is preposterous. These are the theories that are just stupid. Basically, we're all dumber for having listened to them. How do we want to do this? Should we, I wonder, should we change it up and let the reader do yes. the first? Yeah. Okay. Ladies first. All right. So I'll go first this time. I'm going to go with plausible because of how specifically similar those character traits are. And I'm going to disagree with our commenter. That he wasn't a criminal. If you are going to lie your way into getting a job, you are a criminal. He was a criminal. He was not a thief. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. He's still stealing money that's not rightfully his. He's not stealing. He's taking it, isn't he? No, it's been given to him. He took it. That's and like it's not saying, rightfully his. That's, that's my like, hey, what, this is my opinion. So I am saying plausible. Now okay. it's your turn. Okay. So that's like saying, hey, I've got a bachelor's degree in accounting. And if I get a job in accounting, but I really don't have a bachelor's degree in accounting, am I stealing that money even if I do my job very well? That's what I am nothing. Okay. Yeah, this is completely preposterous in my mind. There are two pieces of evidence. They look the same and they go on the same adventure. That's it. This is this is so I I love the movie. And Ocean's Eleven I could take it or leave it. But this is so dumb. There's no evidence whatsoever. Like what I mean, even this the the that one comment we read went so far as to connect Brad Pitt to Achilles and George Nelson, but like that's a little bit more effort. But this is like, oh, they look the same. And they're both criminals, so must be related. <laughs> so I actually love the Oceans movies. They're mm. one of my favorite series. So I'm coming at it from that angle. But I'm going to get some hate from at least one of the three of us for this. But I'm going to say this is genius. I hate you. <laughs> I, I I absolutely love this theory. Who said that? <laughs> I said that. So uh, if, if we if we 
Like, I feel like the the comment about trying to connect Brad Pitt while creative, that would prop if that was part of the actual theory, that would have lowered my score to probably unlikely because it, it was that was what I was talking about grasping at straws. That was a big stretch. The actual soul, like soul theory makes sense to me. And I really like the idea. Plus I like the thought of grandpa Everett sneaking away and talking to little Danny ocean. That is may, so may, I, a may I ask a question? This is not to yes. like, um, this might help like change my rating. How do you respond to the comment? Might as well say that Everett is the grandpa Jason Bourne, but for being played by the same actor. They're both thieves or criminals or whatever. Jason Bourne wasn't a criminal. He was somebody who was brainwashed, wasn't he? I don't know. He didn't do legal things, so that makes him a criminal. Jason, no, Jason Bourne was a government operative who was brainwashed. And then he realized that he had been brainwashed. And so he tries to take down the people that brainwashed him. So to me, there's no connection whatsoever to Jason Bourne, like not even remotely, because he's not a thief. He's not a criminal. He's actually James a good Bond. guy. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll go on to the next thing. I, I see what you're saying, but I still feel like the thing that makes this connected is the fact that they do look like each other because they're family. <laughs> yep. Like family resemblance. Look like okay. Yeah. So yep. I'm sticking with genius. <laughs> Yay. I love it. Okay, so before we argue in an OFT to the next theory, we'd love to engage with you, dear listener, on social media. Send us a tweet, follow us on Instagram, and like us on Facebook, all using the handle at FanTheoryQs. And that's all I have to say. Perfect, because I have a lot to say because this theory is long. Oh, um, you're going here today. Yes. We're, now, this is the, the day we're busting out this theory. Yes, okay. actually, this is the second day we're busting out this theory. <laughs> the fourth, Se- first time we did this, we had a recording error. It's 1971. In an ambiguous uh, European country. And there's this little boy who has an adventure in this place called a chocolate factory. When are you going to read the theory? Run by Willy Wonka. Okay, the name of this theory is by, or the name of this theory is, it was Grandpa Joe from the beginning. From Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, 1971. Author is Serge Meister. So here we go. He is the Serge Meister. Early in the first years of building his factory, Willy Wonka hired individuals of all race and creed to come work at his factory. One of those individuals was Joseph Creed, a young and ambitious man with aspirations of becoming a great chocolatier himself. However, as the years went on, he realized that he would be a wage slave of this factory his entire life. So he came up with an ingenious plan. He would steal every recipe from the Wonka factory and create his own brand of candy. This was no easy feat, as there were eyes everywhere, and everyone was too afraid of Mr. Wonka to betray him. Joe went about trying to steal recipe after recipe with the help of his wife, Josephine, and George and Georgina. The ruse didn't last long before Joe was caught in the act. Mr. Wonka's security guards took Joe into a dark secret room in the rear of the factory and taught him a lesson by the way of two broken knees. Mm. Mr. Wonka, realizing now the scope of the plot to defraud his company, pulled Joe's known associates and delivered the same message in the exact same way. Now Josephine, George, and Georgina were also hobbled at the knees. They would now be bedridden, lying on their children, They would now be bedridden, relying on their children for assistance for the foreseeable future. (laughs) Very different. Very different meaning there. (laughs) Mr. Wonka's goodwill towards the community waned with each attack on his factory, and so he began importing Oompa Loompas to replace his workforce over the next several years. His health, also in decline and public knowledge, meant that he had to work fast and hard to cement his empire and find an heir. Joe knew he had to get even with Mr. Wonka, and so used his new son-in-law's naivete to coerce him to take a job at the factory. Joe knew the way to inherit the company was by winning Mr. Wonka's loyalty. Joe's son-in-law never returned after being hired full-time at the factory, and the family feared the worst. Oh. (laughs) After several months, the family's fears were realized when Mr. Wonka announced the factory was 100% operated by Oompa Loompas exclusively. 
The family, distraught by the loss, carried on and changed their last name to Bucket, lest Mr. Wonka sought out further revenge on the remaining few creeds. And while Josephine, George, and Georgina convalesced, he would secretly hold his grudge against Mr. Wonka, thinking of grand ways to make him pay. While his exhausted daughter and grandson slept, he would exercise, doing calisthenics to keep himself limber, and going out into the town, gathering information in relation to the health and prospects of Mr. Wonka. The money meant for tobacco, he would spend on salted beef sticks, while the rest of the family got by on cabbage water. His recovery, therefore, was quicker than everyone else's. There, laying in the same bed, unable to discuss his plans for revenge for fear that the others would oust him, he would lie in wait, never letting on that he has recovered. Most of all, he would make his family suffer for ever doubting his plans. All of them were bitter with Joe and blamed him directly for their misfortunes. They had accepted their fate, having abandoned all hope of recovery long ago. But Joe wasn't done, not by far. <laughs> Joe had a plan to rival all his schemes combined when Mr. Wonka's contest was announced. As ticket after ticket was found, Joe got to work on using his knowledge of the chocolate assembly line to correctly deduce where the final ticket would be hidden. Knowing that the family would likely discover his plot, he set about hiring a former colleague, promising him a portion of future Wonka profits. His friend, a local candy store owner, had his own reasons to hate Mr. Wonka. Wonka and his factory kept developing new candy monthly. The Candyman's stock would be worthless as the candy would sit unsold forever after these new announcements. In order to drive demand, the Candyman would berate himself by singing and dancing and giving away old stock to all the spoiled rotten children for free. So when the man he remembered as Joe Creed came around, the Candyman accepted the job without a moment's hesitation. The plan was simple. Having figured out what shipments would contain the golden ticket and relaying that information to the candy man, the candy man would place a large order of candy for that particular bar. Once the ticket was secured, they would lay traps for Charlie along his route home. Knowing full well that Charlie was obsessed with this contest, all it would take is a pound in the gutter to get Charlie through the doors of the candy store. There, Charlie would no doubt spend his money, but not before the Candyman pushed onto Charlie the one chocolate bar containing the elusive ticket. Having earned Charlie's trust over the last few weeks of the contest, guaranteed that Charlie would choose him as his plus one. The trap had been sprung. Everything went according to plan. That is, until the fizzy lifting drink. Joe knew no better euphemism for alcohol. Having met the demon in the bottle for years after his firing on the loss of his knees, he needed to know what that new concoction was. And in his blind lust for another sip of that sweet, delicious alcohol, his plan faltered. Joe was expecting something along the lines of hot cinnamon schnapps, but alas, it was just bubble soda water. He realized his mistake all too late and nearly got his plan and grandson killed. Joe thought he had fixed the problem that Mr. Wonka wouldn't have noticed his error. And as the day went on, Joe was sure he had gotten away with it. That is, until the end of the tour when Mr. Wonka lashed out in that familiar anger. Joe knew his plan had been foiled. Or, so it would have seemed. It was Charlie, on his own accord, and in his own wide-eyed stupid innocence that saved Joe's plan. Because of Charlie, Joe Bucket had succeeded in his plan. He was and remains to this day the greatest and most successful of all movie villains. Wow. What a story, <laughs> Mark. <laughs> so before we move on to the discussion, we, I would like to bring up the fact that there's an entire subsection of the internet that devotes all form of hatred in their hearts to this character of grandpa joe there's even oh, a subreddit yeah. called grandpa joe hate and it is hilarious <laughs> if you and ever need it, a laugh oh my goodness the vitriol it is so funny like some of these these people you clearly have genuine uh, disdain disdain yes for this man but anyway and most people would agree rightfully so let's talk about the theory so he covers a lot in this theory, all to um, <laughs> even stuff that's not necessarily relevant. Like, I like the explanations for things like where's Charlie's dad? The Candyman is brought into this. 
there are a lot of bases covered and it really is a rich narrative. And I, at the very least, give the author props for that. There's a lot of creativity here. And I mean, there's some good evidence, maybe. I don't know. What do I you think, Laura? I will say it's not a comment on this one. It might be a comment on another Grandpa Joe fan theory that I've read that when Charlie goes to spend his last bit of money to buy a Wonka bar to try to get a ticket and he doesn't, the candy man gives him a free piece of candy. Mm -hmm. And remember what's in that. That's how they find the ticket. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so that is another link to how the candy man was in on grandpa Joe's plan that he's the one who set it up so that Charlie and Grandpa Joe could be the ones that go to the factory. Yeah, it says, not before Candyman pushed onto Charlie the one chocolate bar containing the elusive ticket. Um, yeah, okay, I'm sorry, I missed that. That was very fleeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, well, let, very let's talk about theory. then what well, that, that little <laughs> portion of this theory that Grandpa Joe, having worked in the factory, would his knowledge of the assembly line and all that actually play a part in this like is the, is it believable to think that his knowledge I, of go ahead i don't know that it would because i would see that everything would have totally been refabricated reformatted in order to accommodate the oompa loompas who would work in a very different way mm. than a regular human working in the factory michael yeah, do you plus, think that i i would Sorry, just to add to what Laura just said, I I would also think that Wonka, the way that he is, would probably also change some things up, so that Joe didn't know all of the secrets. You know, that's that's exactly what I was going to ask you: is do you think Wonka, yeah. having known that they were conspirators, would have mm-hmm. changed things because they knew how things were operated? Oh, one hundred percent. That seems yeah. like something right up his alley. Mm-hmm. And honestly, thinking about the character of Wonka, and we've talked about other, we've talked about previously in the podcast characters being diagnosed with any kind of mental, whatever you want to call it, from like the DSM-5 or something. Willy Wonka definitely could be diagnosed with like a bipolar disorder, possibly, mm-hmm. or a manic depressive. Manic, yes, mm-hmm. yes. and so and in a manic phase or a manic state, rather, mm-hmm. a person could totally, especially if it's coupled with something like ADHD, where they get hyper fixated on something and just go, 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 go and make this thing happen. Mm-hmm. I could see him totally being like, we need to change the factory and... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely making new new changes and especially like i said in order to make accommodations for the new workers there because yeah. we know whether it's the 71 film or the more recent film i never read any of the books but it seems like oompa loompas are very specifically characterized as a person shorter than the average human being the original so publishing of the book to... was very racist in that regard that's why they made them you would have to make special accommodations for Mm -hmm. people of a of a smaller stature Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, that would have to change and and we don't know like what kind of pace they work or anything and you Mm -hmm. would make accommodations for those things as well so yes things would have totally been changed from when joe worked there okay let's say the first part of this theory is let's just say that it's accurate that joe worked there he tried to steal he got found out he and his cohorts got punished whatever let's move on to the part where he improves himself so this person posits that he does calisthenics for 20 years because that's how long (laughs) they've been in bed apparently do you think anyone would have noticed for 20 years if at night while people were asleep there was could he have gotten away for 20 years doing calisthenics i don't know I would think if we're going to go with being like kind of more realistic and we're talking about the fact that he's eating a much more protein rich diet compared to the rest of the family. If he's getting meat sticks. Yes. Beef sticks. Beef sticks. Salted beef sticks. (laughs) He would have. (laughs) Meat and beef. (laughs) Same thing. (laughs) He would have put on more muscle mass, which I think would have definitely been evident to some to. Three other people sharing a bed with him. Yeah. 
And I don't want to get like too gross into this, but I'm also sitting here trying to figure out like what the situation is when they have to go to the bathroom. And I know that whenever you, as you age, typically you tend to have to wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So in 20 years, we're saying that not one of those other three people had to wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom while Grandpa Joe was doing his exercises and stuff. Yeah, and caught him. Unless he was caught and either they didn't care or he like threatened them. I'll break your yeah. knee again. That's not or, part of the theory, though. I know. I'm just, but okay. When since when do we not think talk about things? <laughs> Y'all just spent a whole theory previously talking about things that weren't written. But he could have threatened them. Maybe this person was like, "Okay, do whatever. I don't care what you do. You're an idiot anyway." But my other question is, salt of beef sticks. I mean, there are two reasons why I don't think that might be plausible. Is because aren't those like fragrant? Is it like beef jerky? I was, I was thinking, thinking like, like Slim, Slim Jims. Jims. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Those are pretty fragrant, number one. Well, number who two, says that if he's getting out to go eat them, who's saying that he's eating them there in the bed? Well, even if he's not, his breath will smell like them, his clothes will smell yeah. like them. And, and then to Michael's point, if they're changing his bedpan, it's going to look very different from the people that are only eating cabbage water. Yeah, and if he's eating all of those all those Slim Jims, then surely they would have noticed every time that he he <laughs> grunts and and yells and like drops the people's elbow on people. Well, you know, when he starts, oh, yeah. when he wasn't it Macho Man Randy Savage yep. that was the spokesperson, yep. or was it, or and no, was it, just it was, him it was or Macho did Man Hulk Randy Hogan Savage. do it too? Okay, yeah, and said, snap into it, snap into a Slim Jim. Yep. I just have this image <laughs> yeah. of of Grandpa Joe over in the corner of the house, and then the shadows hunched going, over. Oh yeah, peeling the wrapping <laughs> on in his Slim Jim and just taking a bite, looking around, making sure nobody sees him. Oh, yep. or if you start, because after a while, didn't Slim Jim go with the mess in with Sasquatch? If he's uh, like, yeah. that was Jack Link's. Quarter. That was Jack Link's, but it's same, oh, same never thing, mind. essentially. Mm-hmm. Yep. If <laughs> he was eating his, now we'll just say beef jerky, <laughs> making, and he's trying to make sure Sasquatch doesn't come in. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a world with Willy Wonka. Sasquatch would yeah. definitely be there, too. Maybe, maybe Grandpa Joe turns into Sasquatch. <laughs> what if Sasquatch is the bodyguard at the factory? Yes. That broke his knees. So now he's doing this to mess with Sasquatch. Yes. Um, I have a subtopic okay, so, that yeah. I want to... I want to get to after this, and it will be very brief, I believe. Wonka. What about the bit about him being an alcoholic? Do we have any evidence of that? I wouldn't Other think than, so. <laughs> well, to me, the fact that he's seemingly a lazy bum that could have very easily gotten a job and supported his family, but instead decided to lay around all day and. Well, hold on, hold that. Destitute. Hold that for the discussion. But does he have the DTs? I mean. Whatever. Okay, but but I mean, he was very interested in that fizzy lifting drink. I mean, nobody else was interested. Everyone was like, "Oh, cool," and they moved on. And then he was like, "Drinky drink, must have yeah. liquor." I thought that that was one of the like, or maybe I'm thinking of another theory of that 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 was one of the products that he was actually wanting to steal to take to Slughorn. Mm. Slugworth. Slugworth. Slughorn, Slughorn. Slughorn. I'm sorry. I went to Harry Potter. (laughs) Slugworth. Okay. Well, let's have this sub discussion because it might play into the theory. How horrible of a human being is Grandpa Joe? Let's talk all the reasons. Um, All of a sudden, he gets to go to Wonka (laughs) Chocolate Factory and he can walk again. Um, Mm -hmm. He takes Charlie's. He wants Charlie to. But Charlie comes home with bread. She's like, where'd you get that? Like, Who cares where he got it from? It's like, what if he killed somebody to get it? I care. <laughs> He's a really bad guy. Jean Valjean would care. Yeah. It's funny because there's a whole entire website dedicated to proof why he's a horrible person. Anyway, that's... Yeah. I think we all agree he can go to that place where he belongs. There's just he always... Gets- I just... Something that felt icky whenever we finally saw Grandpa Joe in the movie. It was like, oh. it's the it's the nightgown with that stain on the it. Stain. The stain. Why did? What was that yeah. costuming? So I have to admit, I have never liked this movie or any version of. of I love this, story. this movie so much. You do. And part yes. of the reason, part of the reason I've always hated it is because 
I hated Grandpa Joe's character. <laughs> Even as a kid, before I understood a lot of this stuff, I just didn't like his character. That and and a lot of the stuff was like really creepy and scary as a kid. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just I've never liked this movie and yep. a big part is because of Grandpa Joe. I will say the only reason why I love this movie is because of Gene Wilder. Mm. Like he's why I watched the movie. If he were in this movie, I would put it in poop trash can. See, I like Gene Wilder. <laughs> this is probably one of my least favorite things that he's ever done. <laughs> poop. Have you have you seen the Frisco Kid? I don't think so. No. Oh my gosh, Michael! That's we on the list of this. movies yes. we have to yeah. watch. Oh my god! It um, stars it stars Gene Wilder and Harrison Ford. Oh it's, yeah, it is Absolutely. in my opinion Gene Wilder's best performance that I've ever seen. Cool. It's so good. He I won think. An Oscar I mean, I love him in Blazing Saddles, but, but this yeah. is like real acting, I think. But anyway, okay. all right, yeah, let's talk about some ratings here. Um, I don't want to go first. Who wants to go? Well, first? no, we established the reader. Oh, I thought is we were just doing first. that for yours. Nope. Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this is unlikely. I don't think it's... I think it's... Never mind. I I think it's unlikely. We've established reasons why. There's some good evidence. We did? Why it's unlikely. Like him doing calisthenics. I don't know. Michael's been over here going, yeah, yeah, he's the bad guy. He's the worst. He's definitely Okay, but yes, he's the bad guy. But this theory in particular, like all this thing this person's laying out, it's unlikely oh, because okay. of um, doing the calisthenics. You know, we said no one would have. Right. People should notice him eating the salted okay. beef sticks, um, <laughs> um, and then him knowing the layout of the chocolate deliveries having been changed because of Wonka. I mean, I, I, there's still a slight part of me that thinks that m- most or some of this could be true. But overall, as a theory, I think it's unlikely. Okay. Laura, how about you? Yeah. Or Michael, you next. Okay. I have to say for this theory, I'm also going to give it an unlikely. But on the idea of Grandpa Joe being a horrible person, that is getting a 10 out of 10. Genius. Yeah. I think we top all agree scale, five stars, whatever you want to do. That's, that's top of the line. But mm-hmm. the theory itself... Because there are some pretty big holes in it, I have to go with unlikely if I'm rating this fairly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're saying the theory gets the unlikely. The title gets <laughs> genius. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's like theorizer. Mm-hmm. All you had to do is just stop talking. You say the, th- yep. the title and The title was enough. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think there are a lot. We know there are a lot of people on the internet who agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, Laura, what, um, okay. what you got? I'll agree with unlikely on based on the evidence given, if we're being a fair jury here and we can and the burden of proof laid on our theorizer here, OP uh Serge Meister, and his evidence did not support his argument. So then I'm gonna go unlikely on this. I'm glad we're all in agreement. <laughs> That's a baby face, Nelson. Uh, Laura? So, Laura, what does it take to make a series of sequels which are so disjointed and utter nonsense that they manage to alienate a majority of a multi-generational fan base? Uh, is is this the setup to a joke? I don't, I don't know. Put a little boogie in it. Wrong. One Reddit user thinks he has an explanation that will make Star Wars episodes 7, 8, and 9 actually make sense. Tell me more. I will. After these messages. Ah. Oh. Uh. There is a corner of Los Angeles where dreams are brought to life. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. Made it by! Of the world! Where legends are made. Oh, it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! For over a hundred years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories. Tales of heroism, villainy, betrayal, passion, tragedy and triumph that when sewn together 
form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood. Available now wherever you get podcasts. Monsters are as old as humanity itself. Monsters embody our fears. Yet, they help us define the boundaries of what it means to be human. We know most monsters aren't real. Yet, we can use monsters to learn about reality. Psychology, biology, folklore, literature, critical thinking. We're on a journey to learn about the world through the lens of monsters. And we hope you'll come along with us. Subscribe at monstertalk.org. So my theory is called Star Wars Episodes 7, 8, and 9 are Palpatine's death vision fantasy as he falls to his death. Who said this that? Comes from <laughs> this comes from user CG Pictures. The theory goes as follows. Episodes 7, 8, and 9 are a disjointed mess that are frequently nonsensical, follow a poor narrative thread with little cohesion, and blatantly disregard the established logic of the series. This is because episodes 7 to 9 did not happen in the physical realm of Star Wars. They actually occurred in Palpatine's mind as he falls to his death aboard the Death Star in Return of the Jedi. Oh! Yeah. So he goes on, or she goes on, whoever it is, and they say losing to Luke, his slave Vader, or the Rebel Alliance is inconceivable to Palpatine. Inconceivable. There you go. Uh, <laughs> inconceivable. The, oh, sorry, I had, I had, the Emperor that we met in Return of the Jedi is not the patient, plotting, and deliberate Sith Lord of the prequels. For decades, he has surrounded himself with sycophants and yes-men. His cognitive abilities have been deteriorating, and the shocking loss of the first Death Star couldn't have helped his mental health. He has shown little tactical patience to, the, to end the war against the Rebels, unlike his epic patience before slash during the Clone Wars when he played both sides for far longer. Overly confident and impatient, he would not take the threat seriously. After Vader turns on him and tosses him into the chasm of the second Death Star, his mind retreats into something that is part fantasy slash part force vision slash part lucid dream. Using up all his remaining powers of force vision, he expanded time as he is falling to, to watch slash live out an absurd revenge fantasy. One in which he has kids and then they have a kid that will let him body swap to be young again. It's the ludicrous dream of an old man literally crashing to his death, bargaining to live. He gets to have revenge on all of his enemies, Han, a Skywalker kid, Leia, Luke, the Jedi, and a whole new Republic. Much of it rehashes the original trilogy because there's also a life flashing before one's eyes component. Now, the flaws in the logic i.e. hyper jumps being used as an all-powerful weapon, bizarre force powers such as warping through space slash video game-esque force healing abilities, or a massive secret fleet of Star Destroyers somehow all crewed up and waiting in fog, are actually used for the expediency and satisfaction of his dream slash fantasy. The logic and quality of the dream degrades the closer to death that he gets, just as each movie is worse than the one that precedes it. This is this is Michael speaking. This is Michael speaking, but I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. It's it's a dip down and then it rises back up just a little bit. It, uh, it back, rises. Back into the. I'll, I'll I'll yes, I did that rise. on purpose. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'll I'll jump back in to expand on that later on, but let me finish this theory right quickly and then we can jump in. So they continue on. They say he ultimately dies in his force fantasy when he hits a reactor or whatever explodes down below him, killing him. Perhaps the force or metachlorians also turn on him, twisting his vision to be a metaphysical death concurrent with his actual death as Luke watched himself beheaded in episode five. And they finish by saying the real physical future of the Star Wars universe is playing out in the Mandalorian. Hence, a return to the established logic of the Star Wars universe. Hmm. So, first okay. off, I'm going to make a little bit of a correction. I This correction may or may not be canon. I'll probably be corrected by the diehards. But I always believed that whenever Palpatine died in Return of the Jedi, that the explosion that we saw was actually all of the Dark Force energy just exploding as his body was 
was killed. It was just a burst of energy. I don't think it was a reactor or anything exploding down below, but that's that's what I've always believed. I'm, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that that's actually how, what it was, but if anybody knows better, please feel free to correct me. I'm not going to die on that hill. I certainly um, don't know better, so I will not argue that with you. <laughs> like I said, I also don't believe that the movies continually get worse. I think that Force Awakens was fun, but it just kind of felt like a rehash of some of the original trilogy stuff. And then we got the big dumpster fire that was The Last Jedi. And basically, the only positive thing about that was that it looked pretty. I, I can't knock the cinematography and visual effects on that. I, I think those were fantastic. But the story and everything in between was just blue trash. milk, blue milk. <laughs> no, it's green milk. Apparently it's green. Oh. In the last, no, in the last Jedi. Oh, Luke okay. drinking. I thought it was blue. No, the, the milk that he gets is green. Oh, but yes, in the original trilogy is blue milk. Um, and then I thought that Rise of Skywalker, while still not great, was a little bit of an improvement from The Last Jedi because J.J. was trying to seemingly fix a lot of the stuff that made, for sure, absolutely made no sense in The Last Jedi mm. that Ryan Johnson just kind of went off the rails with. And this is not me knocking Ryan Johnson. I think that aside from the Star Wars universe, Ryan Johnson is a fantastic director and storyteller. I loved Knives Out. I I loved Looper. He's he's great. He has he has a great style. He just doesn't need to be involved in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So, on to the actual theory now. I think that this actually would explain quite a bit in regards to like they said the disjointedness of the sequel trilogy. It just if we're not going to take into account reality where we know that it was the executive's faults for not knowing how to run Lucasfilm after they took over and go into just the story. I feel like this is a way of making all of this craziness make sense. You're right. I mean, there um, needs to be a way to do that yeah. because if they want the Star Wars universe to continue forward rather than doing shows like Obi-Wan Kenobi or yeah. Mandalorian, which technically are in the past, they need some it's explanation okay. for this exactly and i love how they wrap this theory up by saying that the mandalorian is actually what's really happening mm -hmm. in star wars post the original trilogy and it's a return like they said to the established logic of the star wars universe mm -hmm. um, i've got to say i like yeah, that go op goes ahead and acknowledges flaws in their theory mm -hmm. um yes. but then i also have a question about in the uh, one, two, three, fourth from the last paragraph, it talks about who he's getting his revenge on all of his enemies. And it says a Skywalker kid. Is that supposed to be Kylo Ren? Yeah, he's okay. not technically a Skywalker. He's a solo, but he's of the Skywalker bloodline. He so would be Skywalker. Oh, you mean like officially yeah. like his name? Because of Leia. Yeah, because Leia's a yeah, Skywalker. He's, he's of the Skywalker bloodline. Well, his name is Ben Solo, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because he's Han and, and Leia's kid. Mm -hmm. And so she took on the name Solo, or, or Organa Solo, essentially. And that's why he's called Ben Solo instead of Skywalker, because her last name would have been Skywalker if she had not been adopted by the Organas as a mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I got that right about a Skywalker yes. kid. Yes, that's it. I think a lot of this could work theoretically, but what really takes me out of it is just how... The rise of skywalker ends like that doesn't seem the way he would have his thing end unless he just doesn't have control over the way his dream well yeah i think that's what they're saying is that his force vision or dream was actually coinciding with the moment of his actual death and like oh. we can't control our dreams mm -hmm. so like we i don't know if anybody else has but i mean i've had a few dreams where i died and so like when it, you're falling off the cliff and then you jerk yeah. awake. Yeah, exactly. And so But then he uh, continues to that dream after that though. Like with with Ray getting the yellow lightsaber and she ends up at the farm. That's really what I'm imagining is okay, even if it ended 
the last part of the movie was death. like him why dead is there and then still more movie? walking away then well yeah it, it could be that he just because he died in his dream doesn't necessarily mean that he won't still see what's going on in the dream mm-hmm. you can have kind of an out of body type thing because i have had dreams where i actually wasn't in my body in the dream and things happened to my body my, my body was independent and i was watching everything that was happening as if it were like a movie i don't know what that says about me as a, as a person or what's going on in my mind but i'm it just saying like, like that you should talk to your therapist about yeah I'll, to me it I'll says you're in the right place <laughs> on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> so that's that to me that's how i make sense of okay. the bit with ray at the end that doesn't okay. make or sense. i know what we could blame it on like the like OP does. It's the midichlorians did it. So what about some comments? So we have a comment from user Abe Froman SKOC. They say, I like this premise a lot, but I think it makes more sense that it wasn't a falling to my death fantasy, but rather a Palpatine force ghost fantasy. We've already seen that someone's life force can live on past their body and that they can even appear in the physical world. Perhaps the Sith slash dark side parallel is that their life force can live on in a dreamlike state that they can actually control. It would make sense that as a that a Sith Lord as powerful as Palpatine would have some kind of afterlife ability, especially when less powerful Jedi have exhibited the ability in the past. That's a decent idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was um, something I was about to ask was, is there a dark side equivalent to these Force ghosts? Yeah, that's a good comment i was always under the impression that force ghosts were kind of a universal thing and it didn't matter if you were light side or dark side that just if you knew how to project yourself into a force ghost then you could do it from either side well apparently op has a different comment or, or opinion on that yeah so they go back and say it seems that the path to retaining one's consciousness in the star wars afterlife is via the light side of the force for those that consider episode nine to be canon the stadium full of Sith ghosts supports my above statement. None of them had any individuality. Which, that was such a weird thing. <gasps> the stadium like, that, of... That felt so <laughs> out of place. It was just bizarre. Yeah. It was kind of yeah. like the second half of, of Multiverse of Madness. I was sitting there going, what's going on? <laughs> During that part of the movie. Mal- Pal- with a Palpatine marionette robot. Paper thing. Oh, that so, was weird. I felt like I was it, watching a video game, honestly. Mm. When that I was going to say, it actually felt like something from like Knights of the Old Republic or one of those games that take place back in the days when the Sith were like an army. It makes because the Sith back then, the Sith weren't all actually force sensitive. It was kind of like that was the the title of their army. Like they had acolytes that wanted to be Sith, but they weren't force sensitive. So they were basically just grunts, kind of like stormtroopers, essentially. Hmm. I th- honestly, whenever I watched this, that's kind of what I pictured the people in the stadium to be were just acolytes who wanted to be Sith, who took on the Sith name and served Palpatine, who was the true Sith at that hmm. time. And they were just kind of there to support him and do his bidding, basically. I don't know if I have anything else to say about this. Do you guys have anything to add? No. I don't. Okay, then I'm going to go ahead and jump in to the rating on this. So, since we're doing uh, reader's rating first, I am going to... I don't know, guys. Um, I'm going to have to give this one a plausible, I think. It's not quite genius, Although I am a big fan of anything that tries to explain away just the ignorance that gave us those three movies, but there's there's enough to enough meat to it to where I can be like, okay, that's it's a possibility that, that that's actually what could happen, and and I would be okay with that possibility if that was actually true. So I'm gonna stick with plausible on this. I'm gonna go last. Okay. Laura. Oh well, I'm gonna go plausible too, just because I want there to be a better reason than yes. the last three being real. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm gonna go <laughs> unlikely for the exact same reason. I want there to be a reason, and no, mm-hmm. first I'll admit, like I didn't have major issues with the movies. Like it was fine. I didn't really have there were any stakes for me. I didn't have any expectations, so I like I wasn't sitting there feeling the feelings that I felt when I watched 
multiverse of madness. <laughs> so, um, no, that wasn't as that was bad as sometimes I make it out to be. But we have we have varying opinions on that movie. <laughs> yes, we do. But yeah, I just I could make some form of this possibly work, but this particular way, the things that I pointed out of. After Ray, he's dead, he's still seeing. He's, stuff yeah, and, and not even this. Like I said, if it was like, okay, he dies, and like they walk out, and it's over. If that was it, maybe. But then there's like a whole nother couple scenes that continues on, and for me, that just kind of takes me out of it. But yeah, I mean, a better, more formed, supported theory like this, or something else, maybe. But this particular one, I'm going to say it's unlikely. Um, well. Laura? Spencer. Michael. Guys. It is... Face Nelson. (laughs) You got me. You got me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It is time to bring this episode to a close. But before we do, I have to say, it was yesterday, I believe, I was browsing through Reddit and I came across this this movie detail that just floored me. It was so oh. fascinating that I had to share it with you. We are um, dying oh, to hear it. I know. So like I said, it was on Reddit. And this is from user Penguin Monk. They share that in The Little Mermaid, the animated Disney video, mm-hmm. Ariel wears seashells. This is due to the fact that B shells are too small and D shells are too big. <laughs> for for I had no listeners... Idea. Uh, no oh for our gosh. listeners there, Lara is giving the biggest face palm that would make Captain Picard proud. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing. <laughs> oh, that, thank you. That's the kind yes. of thing that I wouldn't have known other if uh, Penguin Monk had not pointed that out. So thank you for doing <laughs> wow. that research. Oh, goodness. To so know what size shells are the best. Okay. And on that note, this has been Fan Theory Queries. I'm Lara. I'm Michael. And I'm Spencer. Join us next time as we analyze more fan theories and ask queries such as, are the characters on Gilligan's Island supposed to be the per... per... (laughs) (laughs) Supposed to be... (laughs) Oh my god. Supposed to be the personification of the seven deadly sins? And is Gilligan the devil? Find out what we think in next week's episode.